let's see. Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. Well, actually, I can't see you, per se, but you know what I mean. Anyway, welcome to episode 3. In this episode, I'll be analyzing the classic Sword in the Stone story with Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm assuming you already know about the Sword in the Stone, but in case you haven't watched Avatar yet, which, by the way, you definitely should, it's an animated TV series that aired on Nickelodeon. Uh, I'll try to make this as spoiler-friendly as possible, so... Basically, it's about this kid named Aang, who's a long-lost reincarnation of the Avatar. The Avatar is the peacekeeper, I guess. He's destined to master all the elemental powers. Earth, water, air, and fire, which... By the way, it corresponds to the four na- major nations of the world. And stop the war that the Fire Nation started against all the other nations. Of course, he has a whole crew with him, too. Katar and Sokka, Momo and Appa, Toph and later Zuko. Well, the story's a little bit more complicated than this, but... For the purposes of this episode, it's better if you just watch the series. I could probably talk a bunch about Avatar. If you don't know already, it's a really good show. But what I want to focus on is Aang's power. Like King Arthur, Aang was destined to be the hero or the chosen one. And while he isn't technically a ruler, his role as the Avatar is super important. He's like the protector of the whole balance of the nations and all that stuff. His mastery of the four elements, much like Arthur's sword, represents his inherent heroicness, I guess. Like He was meant to save the nations, just like Arthur was meant to rule Britain. However, each story's view on this whole chosen from birth thing isn't as parallel as it first seems. Let's start with Arthur. According to legend, he had no idea he was the rightful heir to the throne until, of course, he pulled the sword out of the stone. But after he found out, he just accepted it, no questions asked. Of course, he was a little bit hesitant to leave his foster family behind, but other than that, there wasn't much resistance. He practically embraced the sword and the role that came with it. Was crowned king, everyone celebrated, blah blah blah, whatever, whatever. Plus, I don't know if you know this, but the original King Arthur, like the real-life one, was said to have united Britain and led the war against the Saxons, one of the invading tribes. Which I thought was a bit ironic when comparing it to Aang, whose whole job was to stop a war that was going on between the nations. And now that I brought up this inconsistency, I want to point out how each character views their chosen one weapon, or in Aang's case, power, I guess. For Arthur, the sword was a positive thing. He has to be king in United Britain, defeat the bad guys. Everyone's happy, right? Well, the supposed bad guys wouldn't be, but who cares about them? They're bad guys. In the story, the sword represents power. The power to save the kingdom. The power to resist foreign conquest. But most importantly, the power to destroy. Despite this, Arthur views the sword and, in turn, his destiny as this amazing gift. A way to finally save everyone. To finally save Britain. So what if the sword sheds some blood? Although tragic, it is a necessary sacrifice for the greater good. Well, at least that's what this legend is basically telling us. War can be good, bloodshed's necessary, no peace can come without bloodshed or violence or whatever. But this ideology of Avatar Jonas isn't exactly universal. It's clear that Aang sees power role as any as the Avatar as anything but a gift. To him, power was a curse. It isolated him, forced responsibility on him that he didn't want, made him her enemies. In fact, one of the major driving forces of the plot was the fact that Aang ran away from his power and responsibility as the Avatar. 
and now he has to deal with the consequences and learn to accept the role he was supposed to play a hundred years ago. I think the biggest reason for such opposed reactions has to do with the principles and values of each character, and in turn the culture they're a part of. Arthur had grown up during Britain's desperate search for someone to unite the kingdom. Without a king, it was basically a free-for-all, and death had become the norm rather than the exception. So, because of that, Arthur knew how important becoming king was, and he probably wasn't as bothered leading battles and wars, since death was all around him anyway. Aang, on the other hand, was raised by monks. I don't know how much you know about them, but they're very against the whole violence and killing thing, and are big advocators of peace. Plus, he wasn't around during the atrocities the Fire Nation committed against the other kingdoms, so he didn't have any of the prejudices or biases that other people had against firebenders. Unlike Arthur, Aang always tried to see the good in people, partially due to his naive and childish personality, so it was probably to a fault. We can see this especially in episode 1, where Aang is playful and fun and pretty ignorant of this whole war thing that's going on. However, you can also see his admirable qualities in episode 1. Like, when a group of firebender soldiers threatens the southern war tribe, Aang doesn't hesitate to turn himself in, despite the obvious risk he's taking. Um, in just these two scenes, the show's... The show demonstrates his personality in a much more interesting and subtle way than just telling the audience what he's like. This is one of the reasons why I enjoy Avatar personally. In the story like The Sword in the Stone, choosing not to defeat the enemy is like unheard of. The story focuses on power as a solution. That because they found the rightful heir, suddenly everyone celebrates and it's a happy ending. Woohoo! In Avatar The Last Airbender, power is more as a means to an end rather than just the end. The show itself is more character-driven, and while there are a bunch of super cool fighting scenes, there are just as many scenes dedicated to developing a certain character, and it doesn't have to be the main one. And while Aang's journey to master all four elements is a physical one, it's just as much of a mental and spiritual one. Throughout the series, we see Aang grow and develop, and while he definitely gets more mature, he's still him, and he doesn't compromise his own values, morals, or goes against his nature to meet other people's standards. For example, he doesn't kill Lord Ozai, despite literally everyone saying that he's supposed to do it. And why? Is it because he's afraid? Weak even? Those things might have been true in the sword and the stone, but in Aang's case, it's a show of strength. Even though Aang, by the end of the series, is capable of killing Ozai, he doesn't give in and sacrifice his morals. Instead, he's strong enough to save the world in his own way, without going against his inner principles. Because to him, if he did, how would he be any different from the Fire Lord? So, in conclusion, you should watch Avatar. I mean, I'm just kidding. I mean, well watch the show but the main conclusion is that the idea of destinies and prophecies are treated differently in each story sure both stories have the protagonist destined to be the hero but in avatar destiny is only part of the story yeah ang is able to master all four elements but what stopped the wasn't the abilities themselves but rather the friendships the experiences the character development him what I believe the show is trying to say is that what makes a hero isn't the destiny or the special weapons that the universe gives them, although those are pretty useful too, but 
What really makes a hero is their character, the choices they make, and most importantly, the ability to stay true to their own morals, even if it's a million times easier not to. And that's the end of episode three. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the rest of the podcast.